Three squatters, 36 seconds into the overtime. Oh, no, let's go. Tristan Robbins bangs away at it second time. Slows it behind for Taylor. It's in the net. Blades Uncut. I got to start this episode off last by addressing a problem and a mistake that I made last week. Really? Yeah. Uh, what did you do? You know, well, I make a lot of mistakes. So. No, you don't. <laughs> well, hold it. You do. Your first mistake, me being alongside of you in this podcast. But we won't hold that against okay, you. Okay, you're, you're the first and the only person <laughs> to admit that so far. But um, yeah, week after week, you have worn something very sacred to Blades Nation that was not addressed last week. The fifth of five jerseys oh, that you wear, yes. that, you ha- that you own. So who brought it up? I just brought it up. Oh, I thought maybe somebody mentioned Nobody it to you. Nobody mentioned it to me. This was me listening back thinking, oh, darn it. Like, he had his jersey on. We didn't even talk about the jersey. What is going on here? Like, we're trying to create a professional production here. I'm not Mr. Blackwell. I'm not a fashionista, so it's not a big deal to me. <laughs> But I did. Me. But I did wear the the skate blade. That's correct. Dark blue logo uh, jersey with the uh, blue that's also on it, the lighter yeah. blue. So it's it's we called them the double blue back then. The double blue. Yes. This, yes. Kind of like the Toronto Argonauts, only better. When I see that jersey, I think of Braden <laughs> Holpe. He's a guy that really yeah. jumps out. Oh yeah. There's a there's a lot of people that a you lot can think obviously of. yeah. Sure, and sure. maybe it's just because I've got the photo catalog and I was looking at Holpe's photo earlier and mm. he had the same jersey that he was wearing, but uh, a beautiful jersey. Oh yeah. And that's the reason why I should have brought it up. What we're gonna oh. make mention of the first four jerseys and then completely finish like not even mention the finale. Okay. That's just that's me. I'm I'm taking ownership of this. Next week. When we're still together before the season starts, yep. I'll wear that one again. And Good. then you can okay. make amends Great. for that. So I'll, uh, I'll take a picture. It'll be up on the Blade social media there you go. channels at some point. Not You're wearing a, a different jersey today. I'm wearing a different jersey today. <laughs> I was happy because my NHL team, the Winnipeg Jets, came back after losing, being shut out actually, on Monday against Vancouver, came back last night and beat the Canucks 5-2. And now, as we update yours and my bet with regards to the Jets and the Calgary Flames, I can happily say that my Jets sit seven points ahead of the Flames with a game in hand in the Canadian division stand. I will not call it the Scotiabank North division. I refuse. This is the Canadian division. It's as simple as that. Because it is. All the teams are Canadian. Two thoughts to what you just said. Yes, well, I'm impressed that it, it only took four minutes, three, four minutes for you to bring up the fact that I'm seven points behind in this mm-hmm. bet. And, you know, it seems inevitable unless Calgary somehow smartens up that I'm going to lose this bet. But the second thought is, well, it's kind of rubbing off from the first thought is my Calgary flames are just crashing and burning. Yeah. Pardon well, the pun. Only you can speak to that. I, I can't say very much because I haven't watched a whole bunch of it. Uh, but... I will also not harp on this because, Mitch, as soon as I do that, invariably something will happen. Yeah, My Vezina yeah. Trophy goaltender, Hellebuck, will probably get hurt and be done for the season. Not that Laurent Brossois can't do the job. But something will happen and my team will <laughs> then fall into the toilet. There is still 30 to 35 games left for these two teams. Yeah. 
lot can happen. The seven points can lot just can evaporate like that, especially when they consider they're going to play each other at least another five times, I think, before this yeah, regular season is done. So there's points. a lot of points involved. There are. If you told me that the, <sighs> chi- that the difference was 15 points, I'd be pretty pretty secure. Seven can be done in no time. Well, I I mean, I like your optimism, but as an, a, a struggling Flames fan... And a, I mean, in many ways, a stereotypical Flames fan, there's not a whole lot of hope for my boys right now. Optimism for you, fatalism for fatalism. me. Because that's the way my life has been when it comes to my favorite sports teams. <laughs> How many times have my Minnesota Vikings in the NFL gone to a Super Bowl only to crash and burn? Yeah. Uh, how many times did the Boston Bruins, when I, my first love of a team in hockey, play the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs and lose? Hence my dis, my extreme dislike <laughs> for the Habs. Yeah, I'm a Hab hater. No two ways about hab that. Hab hater. Hab hater. Uh, I mean, hey, hockey night in Canada. By the way, this past Saturday was phenomenal. It as far really as I was. was concerned. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Calgary won. Calgary won. It was but, an early game. But my the the early evening game that saw Toronto beat Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So my second favorite Canadian team, the Leafs defeating my second most detested team, the Oilers. <laughs> I love that. And then my favorite all-time NHL team, the Jets, beating those hated Habs in overtime. <laughs> Even though the shots on goal were, what, 42 to 19 or something like that yeah. in favor of Montreal? I don't care. <laughs> More often than not, Mitch, and you can back this up because yeah. you've seen it yourself, a one, or, a one or two goal game in the NHL usually means that one team has been outshot, but their goaltender has stood on his head Many times. and won the game for them. Many More times. often than not, it seems that that happens at the National Hockey In hockey, period. Mm-hmm. You get outshot, but your goaltender wins you the game, yeah. even though you're outshot in a close game. Yeah. Wow. And that happened on Saturday in the late game. Very true. And you take a look at David Riddick and what he did against Ottawa that same day. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, he was unbeatable, but... <laughs> Uh, in that specific game. So, okay. Yeah. This this is not the NHL uncut podcast. It's not, no. And I'm trying to find a way into segueing into something a little bit uh, more Blades related. Obviously, uh, this morning, we're recording this on Wednesday, and we're just uh, a couple hours separated from the WHL announcing the East Division schedule. That means the Saskatoon Blades 24-game regular season schedule has been released. All games, if you haven't heard less, will be taking place in the Brand Centre. I knew that. <laughs> I, know, I know how that's working. I, my, my, most of my life, starting next Wednesday on the 10th, and some quick preparation, making sure that I can test and make sure everything works, because I haven't done this mm-hmm. in a whole calendar mm-hmm. year. It'll be 368 days on Saturday the 13th of March when the Blades play their first game in the double since they played their last game, which was March 10th of 2010, yeah. winning 6 nothing in Moose Jaw. The Blades on Saturday the 13th, 4 o'clock start, will take on the Swift Current Broncos at the Brant Center in Regina. You'll be able to hear it on 98 Cool, our sister station from here at CJWW. Mm-hmm. We'll be on the air at 3.30 with a pregame show, and the play-by-play starts at 4. And we're not the home team on that That's day. That's correct. We are, Swift are Current the will be designated team. the home team. We'll be the visiting team. So... If you go on WHL Live, the commentary will be provided by my colleague, Craig Boschman, from the Swift Current Broncos. That's correct. Yeah. 
It's interesting, too, because uh, the Blades obviously kick off the season on the Saturday, and then the Sunday is the makeshift home opener against, ironically enough, the Regina Pats. Which is weird, because I think the way it stands right now, they want me to broadcast from out of the Regina Pats radio booth, their normal, the home radio booth, right, and have my longtime colleague with the Pats, Phil Andrews, (laughs) broadcasting the Pats game the Brad, the Pats broadcast out of the visiting booth. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> but that's, that makes But that's the way it is. That's yeah. that's the way this whole thing has to work out yeah. in order to stick with protocols. Yeah. It's all about COVID-19 protocols, so well, it's going to be weird. It's that, and it's also equality throughout each team, too. Yes. It's, oh, yeah. you know, 12 home games, 12 yep. away games, so yep. it doesn't matter if it's your original barn in a regular season. Don't matter. It's still going to be an away game. Yep. 12 it times. It is. So... Fun stuff, though. Uh, yep, so March 13th is when the regular season begins for the Blades. March 12th, of course, uh, will is when everything begins. It's Moose Jaw versus Brandon. That's a 4 o'clock start with Regina uh, taking on the Prince Albert Raiders at 8 o'clock later on Correct. that night. Speaking of Prince Albert, uh, I know a lot of Blades fans and Raiders fans are obviously excited for whatever this sort of a rivalry will look like. Uh, four games uh, between the two Highway 11 rivals. Uh, the first is March 19th. That's an 8 o'clock start. That's the first of four games between them, uh, between those two. They also play March 30th, April 8th, and uh, they wrap up the season series on April 22nd. Right. So you're playing every team in the East Division four times. That's correct. Six teams, six rivals, four games against each, 24 games. Six, four, 24. That's that's how it works out. That's math for you folks. So when you're in grade four class and you're wondering what do I need to know about... Grade four? What is it now? Well, I, for me, when in, back in the dinosaur age, in the stone age, it was grade two. Grade two. You learned okay. your times tables. You do. For heaven's sake, right? You, but Panky's you, you nodding can, his head up and down. learning saying, yeah. through the next couple of years until eventually you just, it becomes too technical that you start using a calculator. Six times four is Six basic. Six times four that, is 24. That, that was part of the year. That was part of the grade two one. Uh, Come on. You had, you had to get enough. that okay. right in order oh. to pass. I mean, hey, growing up in sundry. Not going to throw any shade towards Sundry, but there's a lot of people in grade four who probably don't know six times four. <laughs> grade, grade four was the longest five years of their lives. That's right. That's right. Uh, we've got a big episode in store, Les. Uh, we've kind of teased a little bit about what we have uh, coming up. Caden Daly, yes. uh, one of three overage players set to uh, play their final season with the Blades, will be coming on here momentarily. Uh, it's going to be the first time for him uh, coming on. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun hearing uh, from him, and he'll obviously provide a little bit of an in-depth view into what living in isolation is right now. That's where the mm-hmm. players are. All seven teams, the players and staff, are in isolation in Regina. And with the Blades, there's one exception of a player who's not down in Regina yet, and that's Tristan Robbins. That's correct. He'll be down yep. there after, uh, after the Saturday. Saturday, he gets sprung from his 14-day quarantine, yep. having come back from the San Jose Barracuda yep. of the American Hockey League. He will then be able to go down to Regina and join the rest of the team and get going. He'll be on the ice already, That's practicing. Right. I know, I know. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see Robbie uh, mm. back in yes. a Blades uniform, almost getting used to him wearing Cuda colors, and yep. can't let that happen too, too much. Not yet, at least. But it'll Not be yet. fun to see number 29, Caden Daly, yep. skating as well. Oh, for sure. One of the, arguably... The fastest skater yep. on the blade. Underrated player. 
Yep, underrated player. So. He, this is going to be a big 24 games for him as well yep. as our other two overagers, that being Chase Waters and Wyatt McLeod. A few other things uh, to touch on uh, this episode before we bring Caden Daly on. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the video, Play for Bobby. Yes, Less. I saw that. Uh, some unfortunate news that the Blades organization received earlier, uh, just within the last couple of weeks. Bobby Kirkness, longtime locker room attendant. Uh, he's just a, an, an incredible person all around. He always shows up to the rink with a smile on his face, yep. and there are hundreds of players, if not you know thousands of staff over his time in the Sastel Center and with the Blades who've been impacted monumentally by Bobby. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate to hear that he's in a, a difficult battle right now with stage 4 pancreatic and liver cancer. So the Blades are doing uh, what they can the players specifically uh, doing what they can, wearing BK stickers on the backs of their helmets to mm-hmm. show support for Kirkness. And although Bobby won't be in the Regina bubble, this at least is a way to bring Bobby with them and have him with the team every yep. time they step a, step out onto the ice. Very good. Yes, that, that's outstanding. Well done. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, between Tyler Warwick and Bobby's uh, son, Brennan, they started a GoFundMe page to help out with the uh, the cost of the health care for Bobby and surpassed their $10,000 goal within a couple of days. So yeah. that doesn't mean you stop. There's, you know, who knows what the uh, That's right. What the costs are going to be. 10000 was the goal, figuring that that would be a good start towards it. But uh, if you have an opportunity, go to the GoFundMe page and consider making a contribution to help out longtime Blaze dressing room attendant Bobby Kirkness with his costs and his expenditures for what is going to be a difficult battle, but one that he says he will beat again, and I have no doubt. In fact, I expect that I will be seeing him around the rink when we sort of get back to normal, whenever that is. He expects it too. He's already thinking about training camp next season. Good. Excellent. Our uh, well wishes and our our deepest uh, thoughts and um, anything positive you can think of is with Bobby right now, and it'll be great to see the BK logo on the back yep. of all of our helmets every time the Blades step out onto the ice. Right. Less uh, some unfortunate news out of the PA Raiders and obviously a former Saskatoon Blade as well. Mark Habshai lost his brother. Uh, the PA Raiders coming out with a social media post expressing their deepest condolences. Mark currently isn't with the team. He's spending time with family as he should be. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on on Mark uh, and the loss that his family is going through right now? Well, we'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit here, uh, Mitch. We've been trying to get in touch with Mark and to get him on this podcast. As a Saskatoon Blades playing alumnus, uh, and has had a long and illustrious coaching career in a lot of places, not just Prince Albert. Uh, and of course, because of the situation with his brother being gravely ill and now passing, uh, you know, he's asked to be... You know, we wait on that, and yeah. of course, we absolutely respect that and want to give him all the time that he needs before he decides he wants to join up with us and, and chat. I, I mean, because that's going to be a great episode when we finally do have Mark yeah. on to talk about his time with the Blades back in the early 80s uh, and then, of course, into the National Hockey League as a player with the Edmonton Oilers alongside yeah. Gretzky and company. Uh, and then, of course, his coaching, uh, you know, a championship in Kelowna with the Rockets back in the day in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, coached Team Canada at the World Juniors. He's, you know, the, the, his legacy is is, is vast. Mm-hmm. His hockey background is immense and, and very successful. So we will look forward to the time where we can get Mark Hapscheid on with us. But in the meantime, 
all the sympathies and condolences can be extended to Mark and his family uh, as he mourns the loss of his brother. And we look forward to seeing Mark from afar, socially distanced, when yeah. he's finally able to get back behind the bench of the P- Prince Albert Raiders yeah. in the hub, in the double in yeah. Regina. Yeah, that's and those sympathies also expressed uh, by the Saskatoon Blades. Yes. Us as an organization uh, sending our deepest sympathies with him uh, and the Habscheid family during this difficult time. Let's shift gears now. There's some other news about yeah. uh, the WHL, okay? So we are now four for four divisions. All divisions are guaranteed to be playing. Yes. I guess for lack of a, a better phrasing. Yeah. The BC division uh, given the go-ahead to play out of a dual hub environment, uh, that being out of Kelowna and Kamloops. It's a 24-game regular season, mm-hmm. and it begins on March 26th. Yeah, so here we go now. We've got the Alberta teams, the five Alberta teams, started play last weekend. Calgary has yet to play. They will play this weekend for the first time. Basically, what their situation is, is they're playing weekends only home and home series. They haven't released the full schedule. They're hopeful of being able to condense it if numbers allow and to be able to play more games in a shorter space of time. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, if they continue on with the way they're going, they're not going to be done until the end of May, Yeah, which would be a long time. About a month after the East Division. Exactly. Yeah. So the Alberta Division, though, has started. They're able to travel from place to place, and so, but there's no fans. That's there's correct. no fans in no any fans. of these no, situations. That's right. Yeah. So that's Alberta. U.S. Division is going to do something similar. They, though, have later on in their schedule – Games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Sundays. So they've got that kind of spread out. And their schedule is looking to end early in May, starting on March the 19th, a week after the East Division. The East Division is going to start on the 12th. The Blades are going to play 24 games in 47 days, pretty mm-hmm. much every other day yeah. on average. And that double is to end on April the 28th. The BC Division is going to do something similar, 24 games in 48 days, in two hubs, uh, cities, as you mentioned, Kelowna and Kamloops, uh, three teams in Kamloops, two teams in Kelowna. If they travel back and forth between those two centers, it's only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But there's no stops. No it's stops. Building to building, play, come back. There's yeah. no stopping along the line. You can't burst po- the bubble. The post-game meal is being delivered to the bus, and you're going to eat on the bus be- on the way home or, you know, that sort of thing, well, yeah. however that ends up working. Yeah. yeah, You're not stopping at a restaurant somewhere no in Kamloops or Kelowna in order to go have a post-game yeah. meal. Nope. You're eating on the bus and heading home right after the game is done sort of a thing. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, that's the way that's going to work. Uh, and, again, that will be done sometime in May as it stands. Yeah. But, again, the full schedule has yet to be released. That's right. That will come at a later date. Yeah. All right, this is episode 31 of Blades Uncut, of course, as always, a presentation of Great Western Brewing Company. There is a lot for us to get to. We've also got Dan Tenser, the director of scouting, coming yes. on. Later on, we've also uh, got a recap to last week's trivia question. It was a challenging one, but we do have a winner to announce. Oh, good. We'll also have a new trivia question later, near the end of the show. For now, Les, mm. let's get right into Caden Daly. I'll let you take this one. And joining us, as we talked about, Mitch, we have... The third 20-year-old that we've had a chance to have on this Blades Uncut podcast. Mm-hmm. The guy we've left till the end, <laughs> which I think may be fitting. Save the best for last. Because he can certainly speed up and catch up. Because there may not oh, yeah. be a faster skater on this team than Caden <laughs> Daly, who joins us on the phone from the University of Regina dorms, self-isolating with the team, but 
Give, give us a sense of what that's all about, Caden. Caden <laughs> yeah. Daly joining us. Caden, tell us what that's like. Because you're in the dorm. You've been there yep. since Saturday when the team traveled down together. Are you in a room yourself, or what? what what's the deal? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got here on Saturday. We came up, got our stuff all organized, and so it's kind of like uh, I would say like a four bedroom condo. So when we walked in, there was three separate bedrooms, and then there's two bathrooms, a uh, little kitchen area. Um, a little lounging area, so it's it's been pretty good. We're uh, we're just settling in now and hoping to get on the ice pretty soon. So, who are you in one of these uh, condos with? Um, I have Alex Morozov to my right, and just down the little hall there, I have Josh Paulus. So our rooms uh, our rooms pretty rocking. We're uh, we're a bunch of guys that just <laughs> like to have fun, and we've been trying to have fun during our quarantine. So it's it's been okay with Maybe- these guys around. Making the most of quarantine. What's uh, what's Josh Paulus like, Caden? He's obviously a new addition to this team. Did you know him before he was a member of the Blades? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Um, I just knew because Mo played midget with him, so okay. um, I kind of just met him through there. But uh, I guess when I was leaving Regina, he was coming into Regina last year, so we just oh, okay. kind of missed each other. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good our first couple days here. We've... Uh, We've been bonding pretty good, so uh, everything's moving in the right direction. Good. Okay, a couple of things then that I have to ask. One, you said the word rocking, and when I hear that, I think <laughs> music. The music has got to be cranked up, and you guys are into <laughs> the same sorts of music. Is that the truth, or is what's going on when you say rocking? Uh, yeah, we have some music playing from time to time. <laughs> um, we're just trying to make the most of our situation, and um, like if we're uh, just chilling with each other or... Uh, having dinner and stuff and just little conversations that we can have kind of mm-hmm. through the walls and stuff and sharing different videos or something like that. So we're just trying to do and make the most of our situation and uh, try to take some fun out of it. Okay, and you mentioned dinner, and I have to ask about food because one of my colleagues that's actually in the hub from Moose Jaw <laughs> put up a pic. I saw a picture that he posted in a private group chat of ours. Yeah. Um, it looked like mystery meat of some kind. I'm not sure what it was. Neither was he. So yeah. it, it leaves me to worry that you guys aren't being fed all that terribly well. Please tell me that you guys are being looked after okay in the food department. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been it's been all right. We've been uh, we've been getting our meals. We get three meals a day, which hasn't been too bad. We have a lot of snacks, a lot of fruit and vegetables, and and water and Gatorade and stuff to keep us uh, keep us hydrated. So we've been uh, we've been okay. We've been good and. Um, we can hopefully, when this quarantine's kind of done, I think stuff will expand a little bit more, which will be nice. So yeah. we're uh, we're hanging in. What's the best thing you've had to eat so far since you've been in quarantine? Um, honestly, for our room, our room's kind of been uh, all up and down with that. Like I like, we all like the first meal. We had mac and cheese, chicken, and vegetables. But mm-hmm. um, I think that was my favorite meal. A lot of the other guys, um, I think we had a pork chop that was all right. Um, yesterday's meal was pretty good. We had potatoes and uh, kind of like a steak patty, which was mm. was pretty good. But I think our first night really uh, the top of the mountain with the mac and cheese and, and chicken. Nice. Caden, I mean, we're halfway through one week of you living in isolation in, in the bubble. Obviously, things are going to be taking, a, you know, shifting into a much higher gear here by the end of the weekend. But are you prepared to last seven, eight weeks in that environment? Well, we've waited for 11 months, you know, to play hockey. So anything <laughs> we enough. can do right now to get on the ice and get back with each other, we're willing to do. So um, 
these this this week and last week have been have been challenges, but we've been taking them um, on the head every day and just trying to make the most out of every day and and just trying to have fun and um, yeah, we got eight weeks to be here and then we'll see what happens. But I think everyone's willing to put their best foot forward and, and grind through it together. Is there anything unique that you've taken into the hub that maybe some of the other players wouldn't even think of? Um, well, I got a little mini basketball hoop here in my room. Oh, there I, you I, go. I set up day one and started getting some shots up early. So whenever <laughs> I'm bored, I, I kind of chip away at that. But that's probably been my, uh, my best addition to my room. <laughs> okay, I have to mention this because you you have this basketball ability. It comes, you know, kind of as expected. There, there's some genealogy to it. Your, fa- <laughs> yeah. your father, Devin, of course, when I was first getting started in this media business, was a heck of a guard, a shooting guard, a scoring guard with the University of Winnipeg Westman, mm-hmm. uh, and an all-star, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Who's got the better jump shot, though, now, you or Devin? Oh, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'd probably still say him. His is, his is pretty, uh, pretty fundamentally sound. I'm still yeah. trying to work on mine, but <laughs> when we get out in the summer, I've, I've beaten him up pretty, pretty good the last couple of times. Just growing Ooh. up here, and getting a little older. So hopefully, uh, summer 2021, he'll bring up a better fight. Okay. When it comes to getting ready for the season, I'm sure even though you're in quarantine, there's chats going on with coaches, teammates, that sort of thing. You're already starting to do the team bonding sort of things, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have uh, Zoom calls and stuff every day. We have Zoom workouts to start the morning to get us out of bed and kind of get our bodies going. And we have different uh, different things that we've been doing to kind of uh, pass the time and try to get um, get us ready to play uh, soon and. Um, get us uh, little advantages on our on our opponents. So our coaches have set it up really well. They've been uh, they've been really good. We've been uh, just trying to keep busy and then learning some stuff uh, on the way, and then just trying to get ready to play hockey. Let's chat a little bit more about that, Caden. Uh, you know, you yourself are coming off a bit of uncertainty, some turbulence last season. You jumped around a couple of different teams. This year, you know exactly what you're getting. You're with this team for 24 games. You're in the bubble now. Does knowing where you stand on this team make it a little bit easier to prepare and set some expectations for this season? Yeah, obviously, uh, coming here in Saskatoon uh, last year, um, kind of, like you said, moved around a couple teams. But I feel like when I got here was, uh, was kind of my favorite, uh, favorite spot, and I felt really comfortable right when I got here. And then mm-hmm. um, playing games last year until the end of the season, I started to find my game uh really good so um i just try to take that even though it was a long time ago trying to take that energy and that positivity into this year and obviously with just the 24 games we have that uh just we want to try and get off to a hot start and and just trying to roll with the punches and i think that's going to be really key for success because we have such a short amount of about a time to um to waste so you know les mentioned your speed in his little intro and those intros less are incredible (laughs) always yeah thanks for pumping my tires they just positivity i need in this quarantine that's right hey that that's my job to be able to do that for you guys as best as i can (laughs) pumping tires he's a professional at that that's right (laughs) but where do you get your speed from caden because it's i mean everyone notices it whenever you're out on the ice um i don't know i've just kind of always had that and tried to use that to my advantage um for opening up space for my teammates or trying to beat an opponent, I've just kind of 
always tried to use my speed to my best of my advantage and to help my team. So I think it's just kind of always came uh, when I was born. Maybe it's genes from my dad playing basketball, but I don't know. It's just kind of been something that um, a character trait that I've had and they've tried to work on throughout the years to uh, to be a better player. Okay, I know that you're going to be a guy that's going to have uh, the same goals as everybody on the team, to win as many games as possible. As a person, this year, 24 games, what are you, Caden Daly, hoping to achieve for yourself moving forward with your career? Uh, yeah, I just want to try and, and put my best foot forward this year. Um, obviously, it being 24 games, is it's a short window of time, so I'm just trying to be ready to go right off the start and um, put my best foot forward and show my best play of my career because... Um, yeah, I feel like, like I said last year when I got here, it's been probably the best I've played in my career. So I'm just trying to mm-hmm. keep that going into uh, into this year and try to uh, showcase myself and get to the next level. Can you become more of a leader with this group? Because when you take a look around you, there's 27 players and it's a pretty young group of guys in some instances. Yeah, I think uh, I could be a big leader on and off the ice. I'm a charismatic uh, kind of guy that likes to have fun on and off the ice. So if I can take that energy and and bring it um, to my teammates. I think that uh, it'll help benefit them. It'll benefit me personally too. So I think I could be a, a big leader for this year coming up because there's obviously going to be a lot of challenges with just being short amount of time and not being able to really uh, be around each other a lot right now. But we're just trying to stay positive. I'm trying to stay positive. And if anyone needs help with that, um, I'm always there to help. You know, you were a, a young player in this league once before, Caden. What sort of emotions are some of the rookies going to experience this year when they make their WHL debut. And obviously it'll be a little bit different given the circumstances, but just give us a sense of what it's like as a 16-year-old to play in this league. Yeah, um, it's obviously a a little, you get a little nervous uh, starting off, like just kind of not knowing um, the ins and outs of the game and obviously the speed changes and stuff, but I think our team uh, has a lot of resources, a lot, a lot of older guys that can really help them out. And uh, me being one of them, I'm always there to help out uh, anyone I, I can. So um, obviously being young in the league can be tough, but I think our team uh, doesn't really worry about that because we have so many good leaders and stuff to help uh, our young teammates through it. So You chatted a little bit about these 24 games and how you want to win as many as you possibly can. It's going to be competitive Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty around whether we'll play playoffs or if there is going to be a, some sort of a divisional championship that's going to be contested for. You know, how how do you up that intensity, knowing there is some uncertainty along those lines? Yeah, we just have to take um, every game and and take it like it's our last. Obviously, it's a yeah. different situation for me. Obviously, being 20 and the other two guys, like we're going to try and put our best foot forward because that's all we kind of got, right? So we only have. The 24 games and um thinking back to when i was 16 and to where i am now like you just you think like time goes by so fast so um especially this year we don't have a lot of time to waste and we're just trying to put our best foot forward every game work hard um showcase what we can do and um and obviously try to win as many games as we can because uh yeah like i said this uh this short season we're fortunate for it but mm-hmm. um yeah it's such a little a window for um for getting out there and, and showcasing yourself. So we're just trying to do what we can uh, every day to get better and on and off the ice to try and showcase ourselves the best that we can when we hit that ice. Yeah. Okay, Caden, let's go. We talked about 16-year-old year. Let's go back even further. 
2015, you're a first-round draft pick of the Brandon Week Kings in the Bantam draft. What do you remember about that time being drafted, going into it, all the rest of that stuff that goes along with being a highly regarded prospect for hockey? Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time. It was a fun time. Um, I kind of remember when I took the day off school and was with my family um, on that day and um, just watching the draft. And then when my name got called, I was super excited to go to Brandon. Um, when I got there, it was it was amazing. They were such a first-class organization, and all the guys that I met there, um, I've made so many friends along the way. And yeah, those those times back then, I I'll never forget, and have been a, a big role into how I um, carry myself and um, and how I play my game. I've learned a lot of stuff uh, throughout the time uh, being in the league, kind of everywhere, and, mm-hmm. and different things that I take into my everyday life. So, but back then, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool, just kind of. Uh, being being that and and kind of being um, a little bit of a superstar around, um, I'd say when I was at school the next day and stuff like that. So that was kind of a cool experience. Okay, so you're from Winnipeg. Brandon's only a couple hours away, so you're close to home. Um, and you were there in Brandon for a little better than four years worth of your career. How difficult was it to leave Brandon and go on to Regina? Yeah, it was probably one of the hardest things I went through. Uh, not just in my hockey career, but in my life. I mm. made so many uh, good connections there. Like with my Bella family, I was um, pretty much one of their, their kids by, by then, by four years. So that was obviously a tough experience. And But I'm very thankful for the time I spent there. And I kind of told myself, like, um, all all athletes, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what sport, they go through it. So you're not the only one. That's the kind of positivity I came. And then I'm just trying to take what I can and, and build through a new opportunity in Regina, which, uh, which was great too. What kind of, a, a you know, a, a welcoming did you get in Regina? Uh, yeah, they opened me, they, uh, sorry, they welcomed me with open arms. It yeah. was, uh, it was obviously something I haven't went through before in my career, but right when I got there, um, the guys were awesome. The coaching staff management was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, just welcoming me in. My billet family was, was great. I was close to the rink. So, um, yeah, obviously that experience was hard, but, um, they made it a lot easier than than I kind of thought it would be. You know, had I done my research here, I probably would have been able to dis, you know figure out if you had played against the Wee Kings in your time with Regina. Did did that ever happen? Did you take on your former team while wearing the Pats uniform? Yeah, I think I I did it uh, first. I think it was the two weeks or something when I got there. Okay, we actually played back in Brandon and. Uh, we beat them, but it was uh, it was a pretty good game. It was back and forth. Uh, I was obviously fired up to to play that game, and I remember my first shift. I got a pass back door, and I had a wide open net, and I got robbed. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the kind of night I'm going to have here." So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun game to be to be back there. I was kind of obviously nervous to be to be back there and seeing all my teammates and stuff from from before. But uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience, and we were just happy that. Uh, I could get out of there and win. So, <laughs> how about the transition now to the Saskatoon Blades? Where were you? How did you find out oh, that you were going to become a blade? This is a story. Yeah. Mm. This is uh, this is one that everyone probably wants to hear. It's pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, it was right before the trade deadline, and um, I was actually on the bus to to Tri City. I think we we're about two hours outside of Tri City when I was in Regina, and uh, I was just playing like crib at the back of the bus and. Got a call up to the front of the box from the coach, and it was um, Regina's general manager. And he said, uh, "Yeah, we are 
looking to trade you to Saskatoon. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I was kind of <laughs> caught off guard. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just had to <laughs> mosey on back to the bus and then, uh, yeah, I got to the hotel and started kind of didn't even have to unpack or anything. And then I went for dinner with them and stuff and just said, thank you for having me and uh, the awesome time I had there. And then uh, I got on a flight five o'clock, uh, in the morning to, wow go from Tri-City to Seattle, and then uh, got to Seattle. Uh, missed my flight, actually, because <laughs> no. the plane was late getting in. So then I had to switch my flight, running across the airport in Seattle to see if I can get a, a quick flight. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I had to wait about four hours to fly from Seattle to Calgary. Oh. And then um, got to Calgary, um, and then I had to get on another flight and fly from Calgary to Regina to get all my stuff from my billet house and, uh, and wow. save out of them. And then the next morning drove up to Saskatoon, um, and then got to Saskatoon and everything. And when I got there, I had no hockey bag. So, uh, <laughs> that was interesting. So I just had my clothes and stuff. So I touched down and I was just talking with, uh, I don't know, the airport staff and they're like, yeah, since you missed that flight of uh, your bag is, I think it was in Minneapolis or something no like just somewhere way. like random. And I was like, oh, okay, so hopefully it's there tomorrow, I guess. She's <laughs> like, yeah, don't worry about it. Then it took about five days, I think, for me to get my equipment before I even touched the ice with the with Saskatoon. So oh. it was uh, it was an interesting experience, but uh, it's it all worked out. So <laughs> unbelievable. So how how many cumulative hours were there in traveling between airports? Uh, I think <laughs> I think I got to the airport in Tri City at like. 637 and i didn't get to i touched down in regina i think around 9 p.m oh my goodness so what yeah did, it was a it was a whirlwind of a day but we got <laughs> through it and i'm here now so mm-hmm. what did you do for four hours in the SeaTac airport <laughs> i don't even remember honestly. <laughs> I, uh, yeah i don't even know yeah i was just i was just hanging out and yeah, i got it's some food a, it's or a, something and it's a blur yeah yeah literally it <laughs> was a thing blur of the that past whole day. Now. yeah okay <laughs> so you get to saskatoon you don't have any equipment you, what, what were you doing in saskatoon for five days then um i was just kind of working out and stuff yeah um every day and just kind of watching practice i remember we had picture day i think the third day i got there and they were just throwing together miscellaneous items, equipment for me <laughs> to be in the picture. I think I was wearing some like graph skates that were three sizes Ooh. too small or something. It was uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. The whole situation was hilarious. And uh, yeah, I got my picture taken out there with the team, and then came back on. I think I went for another workout and stuff. But I think by the weekend, I think Thursday, it finally came in, and then we played Friday. So okay, it was uh, it was okay. <laughs> so you didn't miss any games then with the blades over those five days. No, except for I, no, I wasn't. I was. I think um, I wasn't actually going to play on the day of all the travel because okay. they played um, that Saturday. Uh, I think at seven at home, but oh, okay. after all that thing happened, it didn't. I couldn't get there in time, so I didn't actually miss any games in the week, which is which is really good. That was nice. Yeah. How about your first game as a blade? That must have been exciting for you. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I honestly don't even remember who we played. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of going through that was, uh, was pretty cool. Just being with the new team and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, even though I did it like about two months before, uh, I was just, it felt even like different, uh, coming to Saskatoon for that first game. And 
I was still even a little bit nervous, even though I just kind of went through it. But uh, yeah, no, I think it was a good game, and I had a lot of fun. When you uh, when you were traded to Saskatoon, were there any players on the team that you used to play with that you had a connection with? Um, well, I knew uh, Marshy and Lover before when I was played in the U17, so yep. we kind of had a connection with the coaching staff already, which was really nice and made the transition a lot easier. And then I also played with uh, with Chase um, before in summer hockey and we traveled together um different tournaments so me and him were really good buddies before and i always remember playing against him i don't think i've ever won a draw against him um so i'm kind of happy that i'm on his team now but uh yeah i knew him and then uh, i knew robbie too uh Mm -hmm. from just being from manitoba so that was uh it made the transition a lot easier right all right caden so let's chat a little bit about this being your final year obviously there's a lot of there must be a lot of emotions. Maybe it hasn't quite sunk in yet, but have you thought about what life after hockey might look like? Yeah, obviously I'm just trying to keep my options open and, and see what, uh, see what life brings me after hockey. Obviously I want to continue hockey after and try to get to the next level, but um, I'm just trying to take every day, day by day and enjoy my, my time here with these guys and this team, because Mm -hmm. I think we have a really good, um, and good, really good team here. And, and the coaching staff. So we're just worried about these 24 games and, and trying to win some games and trying to put my best foot forward. And, and yeah, I'm just trying to have, uh, have a lot of fun while I can have it. Are you a good student, Caden? Are you taking some university courses already, or the odd one here and there? Yeah, actually, uh, me, Mo, and, and, and Wadi are actually in a finance course right now, and we're trying to grind through that before this season starts and get it done. So we've been, uh, we've been chipping away at it. It's been a lot of fun uh, connecting with those guys. Um, all all year, and then kind of through this quarantine, on just uh, trying to get some answers and what their heads are at and stuff. And we uh, we have a pretty good time with it. So it's 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 a good time when you have buddies around you uh, taking it and trying mm-hmm. to trying to all accomplish the same goal. So it's been it's been really good. Goodies, I couldn't imagine taking a university level course in quarantine. I it'd be a <laughs> waste of money if it was me. Yeah, <laughs> I made the time go by a little bit better. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, how about some fan-submitted questions, Caden? Do you have time to answer a couple of these? Of course. All right, Jennifer Seeley, she's a longtime Blades fan. Yes. Of, you know, I see her name pop up on our social media channels Absolutely. all the time. She's wondering, uh, well, she's got a couple of questions for you. The first is, your favorite NHL team and player, who would those be? Ooh, um, I don't really know right now. <laughs> uh, I'd probably say my favorite team is probably Philadelphia. The Flyers mm-hmm. um, played with a couple guys on that team, so it's kind of cool watching them. And then my favorite player, um, probably Nathan McKinnon, just kind of watching like what he does and the speed he uses um, and things he can create with the puck, and and that's uh, I love watching that. So he's probably my favorite player. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm shocked. Here I am sitting in a radio studio in Saskatoon wearing a. Winnipeg Jets jersey. You're a Winnipeg guy, oh, well, and you're not a Jets fan. Well, I'm a yeah. It's my favorite team. You ask. Well, okay. Of course, I'm a Jets fan. Okay, it's just a, making sure. It's it's a cliche <laughs> thing to say that your favorite team's your own town team. Okay, but, uh, I'm trying so, to come up with a creative answer, Les. Come yeah, on, give exactly. us some good. No, that's fine. That's fine. I just needed. I just needed to get that clarified. That's all. Yeah. No, I'm a Jets fan <laughs> okay. for sure. Good. Good. Philadelphia's an interesting. You mentioned you, it you know a, a couple of players on on the Flyers roster. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I was in Brandon, um, I played when I was up uh, as a 15-year-old in the uh, in the playoffs and stuff when they won. I pl- I was with uh, 
Nolan Patrick and yeah. um, Ivan Provorov. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the cool connection I have. And then Absolutely. playing with Patty um, a couple more years after that and, and seeing that. And so that makes it uh, kind of cool. And I've always kind of liked the Flyers because um, before um, Wayne Simmons played for them and I really used to like it. I still do, but I really like watching him. So mm-hmm. that's kind of when I started being a Flyers fan. Okay, so Jennifer had a second question, which I think is interesting, and I want to know this as well. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Emphatically, no. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you. Yes, that's the only answer. I'll never get behind that. No. Les is kind of shaking his I'm head. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going back to my many years ago days when I would misbehave on a Friday night and get up Saturday morning, and, and if I saw somebody else's pizza that had pineapple on it and it was cold, I would probably eat it just because uh, it was there. Yeah. That's the only way that would happen. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Know. I don't know. No, it's a fruit. Fruit does not belong on I pizza. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Oleksiak, are you familiar with that name, Caden? <laughs> One of my really good buddies told yeah. me what this is going to be. <laughs> well, he was, he's wondering if Chris Major was your favorite hockey coach growing up back home. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah. I think I had him for summer hockey when I was a, a young kid, and uh, we have a lot of good memories from that team. So, well, if you wondered about Kyle Alexiak, I've got to ask you how, how how this person you come to know because his name is Brendan Keen, and that last name Keen tells me that there's a relationship to the former Montreal Canadiens great Mike Keen. Who's, yep. a, who's a legend with the Manitoba Moose and uh, back in the day, uh, uh, a relation there. Yeah, another uh, another one of my good buddies, and yeah, he uh, that's his uncle. Yeah. Mike's his so, uncle. So Bill's his yeah. dad. Yep. Bill yep. Billy Keen's another one who played junior with Mike in Moose Jaw, if I'm not mistaken, and certainly in mm-hmm. Manitoba. Uh, Brendan Keen wants to know who's more influential on TV, John King or Wolf Blitzer? This ought to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, uh, probably our boy John King. I think uh, we, uh, when the election was going on in the states, we were <laughs> flipping back and watching him uh, go to work, and didn't look like he ever slept during that thing. Right. So we uh, we had a good we got a good laugh about that. So I'd probably go with him. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, this is good stuff. There you have it, John King. Yep, straight from Caden Daly. That's right. Note. I like it. I like it. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Caden. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was awesome. You gave me something to do in my in my quarantine, so I'm always happy about that. Well, we're always around. We record every Wednesday. You're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah, sounds good. Let me know. We'll see you in Regina from far away. <laughs> yeah, you go. You'll Can't you'll wait. you'll you'll hear me probably before you see me oh, when you score. Sure. Especially That's true. Overtime winner, <laughs> everyone will hear you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Caden, we'll take care. We'll be in touch and best of luck as you prepare for this twenty four game season. Thanks, Caden. Thank you guys. We'll see you guys soon. For sure. You bet. Yeah, bye bye. Bye bye. Later. No pineapple on pizza. That's I mean, Caden had a lot of things to say. That's a uh, a keynote that I'm going to be taking away from that conversation. Fine by me. That, that's fine. <laughs> what a great conversation oh, with him, though. Good Unbelievable. Stuff. You can tell uh, he's excited for this 24 game season, and, and why not? He's he's looking forward to this opportunity with the Blades and the ability to actually play games like so many players are. And it'll be fun to see Caden play this season. Well, and here's the thing about it. I mean, it's 24 games. It's an opportunity to finish off his major junior career, and one last chance for him in 24 games to not maybe impress a pro scout 
but also to impress somebody at the university level. That's why I asked him about his students being a student mm-hmm. because he's a five-year vet. He's got five yeah. years in the WHL education program. Here's a chance for him to go to university in Canada, possibly, if he doesn't make it into pro right away, but five years of CIS hockey or U Sports hockey, as it's now called, and somebody might think that Caden Daly, a guy with his speed, could probably be of some benefit to absolutely. their program. So absolutely. I'm sure there's programs across the country who'd take a guy like Caden in a heartbeat. Yes. Great guy to have in the locker room, too. You know, yep. uh, He's got the leadership traits. He's just a great all-around player, both yep. on and off the ice. For sure. Let's recap the trivia question from last week. We have a winner to announce. He is a previous <laughs> winner, and this guy, uh, well, he answers questions every single week, so we're happy to give this one to him. The question was, when Dave Strooch, who we had on the podcast last yes. week, when he took over from Lauren Mullican in 2013, one of his head coaching duties was to name a new captain. Who mm-hmm. was the captain to which he assigned the C in 2013-14, Les? Well, it started the season as Graham Craig. Started the season? Well, yeah, because Graham Craig ended up being traded at the deadline. Yeah, and then no captain took over for that's the rest right. of that season. Nope, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations to Al Alexander for doing the research and finding out that Graham Craig is the correct answer. He, of course, right. was the captain for about half of the 2013-14 season. The guy that uh, Dave Struge gave the C. Well, congratulations, Al. You are now the winner of a $20 gift card. I know you've won a few of those, so the jackpot continues to pile up with your in your gift card selections, but... Uh, yeah, that's uh, to the Frozen Pond. Uh, congratulations and good luck this week. Can he accumulate a whole bunch of gift cards and then go into the Frozen Pond and say, baby, buy a jersey like that? Of course. Oh, okay. Just Can't physically sure. go into the Frozen Pond right now. We're well, doing... that's right, but I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We're still trying to figure out. I was talking with Rebecca, our store associate, uh, earlier this week, and we're trying to figure out a way that we can apply gift cards to our online purchases. Mm. So for anyone who has a gift card right now, you might find out that you can't do that. Just get, just get in touch with us and we will certainly apply the discount for you that way. Episode 31 of the Blades Uncut podcast continuing. It's a presentation, of course, of Great Western Brewing Company and our subsidiary sponsors like Tint Center of Saskatoon, Saskatoon's premier window film provider at tintcenter.ca or you can give them a call at 306 683 34 Five, six. Mitch, let's get into our second guest now, and let's uh, bring into this conversation in this episode the director of scouting for the Saskatoon Blades, Dan Tencher, who's going to be able to tell us a whole bunch about these young guys that are on this team. Yeah, director of scouting Dan Tencher now joining us on the Blades Uncut podcast, a debut for yes. Dan Tencher. Yes. Right? Like, we've got all the coaching staff out of the way. Now Finally. We're, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of who's piecing together this team years in advance. Dan Tencher has been the man... For that for quite some time now. Dan, thanks a lot for coming on today. So you're, you're saying everybody in the organization has been on, but no, me, so oh, that, no, that, no, 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 hold on, <laughs> hold on. You're, that's you're last or what? No, last, well, we could say that, but you know, you know who hasn't been on? Who I'm sure once I mention his name and he hears it, is probably going to go, hey, that's right. 
Hilti hasn't been on yet. I know. I was talking to him about it earlier this oh, week. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There we go. So you made it on he, before Hilti. Yeah. Yeah. He needs the. Uh, he needs one where you can give him the whole podcast. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> well, he's got the stories. He's he knows that's, he knows all the dirt from from the past. That's, that's the right. That's, that's right. He needs the the Steve Hildebrand Power Hour. Oh, yeah. That's. <laughs> we'll come out with a special edition for the first time Steve is on and just <laughs> let him run. Twenty away years with of Hilti. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks a lot for coming on, Dan. I know your expertise is surely appreciated on yes. our end. Uh, we're, you know, we're just a little over a week from this season starting up, and this is a team that you've helped piece together. It's unbelievable how far we've came now to seeing the roster basically ready to go. We're we're ready to hit the ice. You got to have you, you you must have a lot of uh, high expectations and a lot of optimism heading into this season. It, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's a very different year in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the, the one of the most exciting things of every season for for me and the guys on my staff is um, you know seeing the strides that these guys have taken in the off season and and usually training camp of the preseason and the early part of the regular season is the time where we get that. Obviously, this year that's happening on a, a much more delayed level. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the excitement is, is still there the same as always where, where you want to see, uh, these young 16s and 17 year olds and, and sort of see, um, you know, how, how they've come along over the course of their off season, which in many cases has been very extended here. I mean, we've, we've had some guys, you know, of the guys that are on our roster, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think the highest number of games played for any of them was eight before the shutdown, yeah. Um, you know, some, some guys three or five, some guys none. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's been a long time since these guys have played hockey. I know they're excited to get going and certainly all of us on the staff are excited to see, uh, to see how they look and, and how they develop over the course of the season here. Dan, I just have a couple of questions to kind of help out folks to understand a little bit and some background for the scouting staff, scouting staff itself with the blades. How large is it as it stands right now? So our scouting staff is comprised of uh, of myself, obviously, and then we've got uh, two scouts uh, in each province. Okay. So we've got uh, Brian Leovold and Harley Love, who scout for us in British Columbia. Uh, we've got Randy Pierce and Joe Jacobs in Alberta. We've got Frank Dreika and Derek Kemp in Saskatchewan, and uh, Mark Patton and Craig Lane, who scout for us in Manitoba. So um that's uh that's the staff so myself and uh and eight other uh fine gentlemen who uh help me every year putting our our draft and our prospect list together when was the last time you were in a rink oh boy it's uh very frustrating to be able to not answer this question off the top of my head <laughs> um you usually the answer is yesterday uh mm. but it def it wasn't yesterday i uh i was in uh where was the last place to shut down Saskatchewan, I guess. Um, yeah. I want to say last week in November, whenever the shutdown yeah. was there, I, I was there, I was supposed to see a, uh, a Saskatoon contact game and, uh, and that got pulled because of COVID protocol. And then the following week it got shut down. So uh, yeah, I, I want to say off the top of my head, it would have been the last week in November, unfortunately. Okay, so let's look ahead to this year's team and the roster. And I know I know scouts especially get excited when the kids that they've drafted, the kids that they've scouted, and are ready to become first-time members of the Blades are going to be playing. And there's like 10 rookies unofficially with the group. You've got to be 
like, you know, pleased as punch with the opportunity to see this many young guys get their first opportunities to play with the team. Yeah, it's a really different year. Like, even watching the games that we've seen so far played in the league, you, you look around at the rosters and you look at the, uh, the, the, even more than that, the deployment of ice time. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a year that I think a lot of clubs are, uh, you know, it, let's be clear. You want to win hockey games. Mm. That's, that's why we're here. We want to win hockey games. And, and I heard, I heard Mitch Love say, uh, something very astute last week, uh, where it's hard to sell development if you're not winning. So the winning's a key piece, but in this sort of a year, um, it is a unique opportunity to go a little younger with the roster and, and to use it as time to get some guys ice time in a season where they probably would not have been with us otherwise in, in some cases, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I, I mean, such a, a critical part of getting to the team, you know, to a year where you, you want to contend for a championship. In those years, uh, you're built largely around, say, 19- and 18-year-old players. And, and to get those players to the point where they're ready to become those guys, years like this are very important to those guys who are, are 16, 17 years old. And there's, uh, you know, the same with many other rosters on the league, a ton of those on, on our roster. And 100%, it's uh, the opportunity not just to play games, but to be around and practice uh, and, and to get that development time with their teammates and, and to work on video with the coaches and, and all of that. It's uh it's an opportunity for these guys to, to really soak it up and, and, you know, get, get enough development and, and make enough strides so that when we come back with a full, normal, regular season next fall, um, you know, they're, they're far enough ahead in their development that they're ready to take the, the next step. A couple of these guys, Dan, obviously Brandon Lazowski, Merrick Schneider, both had, uh, have a taste of what the WHL is like. Then you look at guys like Hayden Smith, Sammy May, uh, Ben Saunderson, uh, a defenseman. Those are some of the guys who are going to be earning some minutes this season just based on the circumstances, like you're saying. Have you been in touch with these guys and how they're feeling about a bubble life scenario that they're in? Yeah, I mean, all along, uh, such a big part of, of my job is you allude to the fact that I haven't been in a rink since November and neither of a lot of these young kids. Yeah. I mean, it, it's different It's different from province to province, obviously, throughout throughout this entire thing. Some of the guys have been lucky enough to be, uh, you know, in an academy scenario in B.C. where they were still able to practice, uh, you know, whereas as some of the guys in Manitoba uh, weren't able to get ice of any kind. It, it, it's varied from, from player to player. Uh, so well, part of my job all the way along, and not just me, but, but Colin and, and Hilty and Mitch and, and everybody on the staff, has been to communicate, uh, you know, almost more than ever, you know, and, and, yeah. and Josh Hoodmore, our, our mental performance coach, has been a big part of that as well. Um, you know, keeping the players engaged, keeping their moods up, keeping them, uh, you know, fully aware of all of the, all of the developments. And, um, yeah, I, I, I will say that it, it is probably a, uh, a huge understatement to say that everyone is incredibly excited to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a different year. Uh, it's not exactly how anybody would draw it up. But given the cards that we've been dealt right now by, by this pandemic, the opportunity to play is, uh, I, I think, recognized by all of these guys as a huge privilege um, because a lot of their peers are, are not going to be able to be doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. uh, 
um, you know, I, I think these guys, again, whether they play all 24 games or a chunk of them or yeah. whatever, uh, are going to be so thrilled to be on the ice again, practicing every day around their teammates is such a huge thing. Getting the group together and having that bonding um, is such a huge thing. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be different. It, it's hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime thing we never go through again. Uh, but but I, I want to say to a man, uh, everybody is uh, is super excited to, to be involved and, uh, and be participating and, and ready to go with this thing. Can you tell me a little bit more about Pasha Bokarov, who was drafted in the eighth round in 2019? And there is a buzz around this guy. And, you know, when you look at eighth round, maybe, it w- you know, there's obviously a lot of players who even go undrafted who go on to have extremely successful WHL careers. It yeah. seems like Pasha is already turning some heads to a certain degree. Can you just allude a little bit more to what kind of a player he is? Yeah, for sure. And and I think, you know, it's important to note there, he's he's an American player. He's a Californian player. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he was a draft pick before the, the U.S. draft became a thing. And, you know, it, it's interesting with the U.S. draft, you, you take players there and they become first or second round U.S. draft picks. And I think those players, um, you know, maybe by, by saying the first round in there, they get a little bit more... Uh, you know, a recognition of the the talent that they had. And, and had there been a U.S. draft in that year, Pasha Bokarov would have been a very high choice. So mm-hmm. I know when you look on paper and see eighth round, I, I mean, that's uh, the Americans traditionally go later in the Batham draft for a variety of factors, but that's not at all relative to the potential or talent that he has. Um, the one yeah. thing I'll say uh, first about Pasha is uh, the maturity level uh, of this young man is uh, is through the roof. Um, you know he is uh, an extremely dedicated, mature, motivated uh, uh, young player. Uh, he's uh, he moved away from home last year, played in an academy in Rhode Island, played a ton of games, um, and, and got a ton of ice time. And he's a uh, he's a physically mature player. Like uh, you know, part of of coming into the Western Hockey League when you're 16 or 17 years old is you know, you're at a, in some cases, a, a physical development disadvantage versus a 19 yeah. or 20 year old player. Uh, with Pasha, he's a, a very physically uh, developed uh, young man already, uh, very, very well put together. Uh, as a player, um, I, I think he possesses every tool that you want. He's a right handed shot, he's built well, he plays a physical game, he shoots the puck uh, a ton, uh, he moves the puck well, he plays with poise. Um, I mean, I mean, again, like I, I can't sit here and promise you that he's going to come out of the mm. gate and, and, and be a, uh, you know, be an overnight sensation or whatever. Right, but yeah. I, I think as, as a young player, he is, um, I think he's for people that might not have seen him play, uh, at a younger age, I think it'd be a, a very pleasant surprise for people because he is, uh, a player with a lot of dimension to him and a player certainly that on, on the right side of our back end going forward, we think is, is going to be able to play a prominent role for us. Mm-hmm. Dan, as much as I'm interested about the young kids that you can talk to us about, I'm also interested in some of the older guys that have been acquired by the team, and I'm thinking of a couple in particular. One of them I've seen a fair amount when he played for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and that's Wyatt McLeod. I have a pretty good idea what he's about, but I want to get your thoughts on him momentarily. But the guy that I've maybe seen twice play against the Blades, because it's in the U.S. division, is Blake Stevenson, acquired from the Tri-City Americans. Uh, What can you tell me about Blake Stevenson? What kind of player is he? 
Well, so so I'm going to go and, and just real quickly, I'm going to tie him into Wyatt McLeod for okay. a second. Like the, in, again, in a year like this, uh, maybe the most important thing, and, and these are both very, very good hockey players, maybe the most important thing is their ability as 19- and 20-year-olds to be positive influences on the younger players. Okay. And again, you, you start talking about attitude and character and mindset and all of those things, and, and Wyatt and Blake uh, both possess that. Uh, Blake in particular, uh, Calgary kid, watched him a lot uh, growing up through, uh, through I guess they call it the U15 and the U18 now, um, and, and then went down to Tri-City and played a couple of years down there. Uh, wore, wore a letter on that team last year, was a very well-liked teammate um, within, within the Tri-City environment. Uh, he's a player that's going to give you minutes in, in all scenarios. Uh, he's a, a well-built, right-handed shot player. Who uh, you know, it's obviously the roster is completely up to Mitch, but but you know, you see him as a, a right wing player um, who will be able to play power play time for you, uh, give you penalty kill minutes, um, and and add a nice dose of skill to the lineup. So you know, I think it's important a body like that and a player like that is, is able to come in, be a positive influence on the younger players, and and take some of those. You know, take some of those minutes to make sure that you don't have to expose some of the younger guys too, or, or overexpose some of the younger guys. You know, it does. They don't go from zero to sixty immediately. Um, you know, they they need to get some time and and some reps to get up and running. And having a, a real good, solid, um, well-tooled veteran player like Blake up front will, um, you know, will will just make it easier for us to make sure that that those those younger forwards are able to get uh, properly slotted development and and properly allocated minutes. Dan, the 2020 WHL Bantam Draft turned a lot of heads because it was one of the first hockey events that, you know, junior hockey-related events in a couple of months just due to the WHL season suspension. And in that draft, obviously, at fifth overall, a guy by the name Tanner Mullendyke was selected by the Blades. And, I mean, I'm excited to see this guy play. I think Blades fans, if they don't know a whole lot about him right now, they're, they're going to learn a lot about him in the coming in the coming years or so, what what does he bring to this organization? Franchise defenseman. I, I mean, that's uh, I could almost stop there. You know, it, it's two words. It's it, it's franchise defenseman, and those guys are uh, yeah, they're hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and as you see in in whether I, I don't care whether it's the NHL, Western Hockey League, whatever league it is, you either draft them or you don't have them. Um, and and Tanner is uh, Tanner's an exceptional talent. Like I, I think it's it's worth noting as well that he's fifth overall pick in a year that was uh, very deep uh, in the top handful of picks. I mean, we're talking about a very very high caliber player here. Um, you know, Tanner's got exceptional skating ability. That's that's sort of the foundation of his game is his ability to skate at an incredibly high level. Uh, he's quick. He's agile. Um, he, he's got great offensive instincts. I think he was uh, a two-point-per-game player at, at Yale Hockey Academy last year as the team captain on that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, just an incredibly talented, poised player um, that I, I think is going to, when he steps into the lineup, be able to make an impact uh, sooner rather than later. So uh, certainly we were extremely excited to be able to take the player that we felt uh, very strongly was uh, the best defenseman in that draft. 
And, um, you know, when, when you look at building the foundation of the team, I, I think we, we really like where, where our back end is at right now. And Tanner's, uh, Tanner's obviously going to be a, a huge piece of that. I think he's, uh, he's a player that'll be, uh, very exciting for fans to watch for, for the years to come. There's, uh, there's a lot of talent with this young man for sure. A Tanner Molendike, a Lucas Hansen who was taken in the second round and has been signed to a standard player's contract by the Blades. Yeah. Again, this season has been disrupted horribly. We haven't had a chance to play very much. Have you been able to see either of these young men play a few games here and there and give us some idea as to how they've progressed since their U15 years? Yeah, so with Tanner, uh, he played, I, I want to say Tanner played five games of U18 um, before they had uh, the shutdown in BC. Uh, thankfully those games were available on video, but at the time that they were playing, uh, they didn't even allow parents in. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't want to throw anybody out of the bus here. Our, our local scout there, Brian, I, I think did find his way into one of those hockey games to see him, but, <laughs> um, but no, I, I did not see Tanner play in person before the shutdown. Uh, with Lucas, um, I did see him play. Uh, I was out in, uh, out in Winnipeg. The weekend that they went into Code Red for the first time in Winnipeg, um, I was I got on a plane and I thought, okay, this is you know things are getting a little rough in Manitoba, but I think it'll be okay. And I got off the plane and they announced that they were going into Code Red, <laughs> and, oh. uh, at the, at, and so he was playing that night, and it was eerie. I, I'm going to tell you straight up, uh, it was me and uh, Mark Patton, our Winnipeg scout, mm-hmm. and uh, the camera person operating the live feed for that game, and that was it. Wow. Um, we, and, and, and thankfully, uh, you know, I was able to get into that game, and, and uh, you know, I traveled a ways, and, and they were uh, very good at accommodating me to, to watch him play that night, and uh, he played very well. Um, have to go back and check my notes. He scored at least twice. Mm. Um, you know, again, the thing with these players and part of the reason why, you know, that goes into selecting them is when you're picking guys that high, um, you know, the, the dedication and, and the work ethic and the will to want to be a player, like that's a big part of it. Um, you know, and, and with Tanner and with Lucas, those, those things are, uh, are, are 10 out of 10. Um, they're the guys that, you know, they're doing the work when nobody's watching, and and they both badly burned to be hockey players and and of course you know they've got the talent and and all the rest of that but you know that that burning desire to be a player is so huge and both of those guys have it so uh, i've got absolutely no doubt in my mind that they've both significantly progressed from their u15 years mm-hmm. and uh um you know i i saw it in person with lucas going back to late october when i was out there um and even now uh, if there's uh, whether it's and with all of our guys, if it's an outdoor rink, if it's a barn somewhere, if it's a hmm. sorry, Siri's talking to me. If it's a <laughs> barn somewhere, if it's a, a, a home gym, whatever, they're they're all finding the the edge that they can to try to get better. Mm-hmm. Overall, Dan, you know the 2020 draft class. There's a lot of good quality players and a lot of talent that has the potential to move on to play with the Blades. But, I mean, it's got to be so frustrating. You must have had to change so much of your regular scouting duties to try to adjust to what living through a pandemic is like. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's it's a different year, but it's a, a different year for everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not the only team that has guys that aren't able to play. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so then the, the discussion becomes, okay, how do we best support them? 
And that's again by by hyper communicating, um, you know, by doing as much as you can to, to continue to stay involved and encourage them and give them things to look forward to. Um, you know, for for these guys, they work. Uh, you know, I know they're young, but they put in years of work and and thousands of hours of dedication uh, to get drafted. And uh, you know, to not have a, a training camp is is a huge disappointment. I know for all of them. So. Uh, you know, you, you try to, and, and a disappointment for us to not be able to see them and, and get them into that environment. But you say, okay, this is this is what we've been given. So what can we do to uh, to get through it as best we can and put ourselves in a position where when you do get a training camp in, in the 2021-22 season, uh, you're ready to rock and roll. And, and for some of those guys, uh, you know, have a realistic expectation of, of being on the team right away. And, and you're right. I, I think, you know, especially if you, if you look at the draft that we had going very forward heavy, uh, you know, I think there's some really good competition there. And I think there are some guys that are, are going to be able, um, you know, from Lucas Hansen and, and through the rest of the draft, uh, going to be able to come into a camp and have a realistic shot of making the team at 16 and, and, uh, you know, certainly, uh, regardless of whether they do or don't, have a mm-hmm. shot at being impact players for us starting at 17. So yeah. um, everybody's going through the same thing. And, and as an organization, what we, what we try to do is, is just encourage them as much as we can and keep them in, in as good a mindset as we can. And like everybody else, have them looking forward to uh, when, they, when they can attend a camp. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just sort of say, look, uh, for, for right now, we're going to do our best to put this behind us and, uh, and, and just move forward because there's, uh, there, there's no other option. Okay, so as frustrating and disappointing as it is for the 2020 kids that were drafted in the mm-hmm. draft, what about the 2006 borns who are supposed to be eligible for a 2021 draft that isn't going to be held in April, late April, early May, like it normally is. It looks like it's going to be December. They've hardly had a chance to play at all. You've hardly had a chance to look at them. That's got to be the ultimate in frustrating and disappointing. It's going to be very interesting for us because if you include uh, the two uh, Western Hockey League drafts um, and the two Western Hockey League American drafts, uh, as it's slated right now, we will likely draft four four times in six months hmm. um so it, it's going to be a lot uh but again so from my perspective i guess i'll say two things the first thing is uh i don't care how busy it's going to be uh i'll sleep in the rinks if i have to you know <laughs> it's uh, we've gone so like like everything else the things that have mm-hmm. been taken away from us through this pandemic when they come back uh you'll appreciate them more and uh i can't i can't wait to put in a, a 14 or 16 hour day going from rink mm-hmm. to rink to rink again. Uh, I, I can't wait for that. I know if there's games in May, June, July, whatever it is, I, I know all of our scouts will be there too because they so badly want to get back in the rink. Uh, but what I'll, I'll say about the 06s, and, and you're right, a lot of them haven't played a lot of games this year or had the development of a normal year, is, you know, there's time. And they're young, there's time. And, and for the players and the parents there that are, that are concerned, we will see them. Uh, you know, if, if the player is a quality prospect, we will find them, same as always. It's going to be a little different. It's going to function a little different. The timing is going to be uh, a little different, but we will find them. And, you know, for those players, it's, um, 
it's it's a unique year. Um, but but I think that was a, a big part of why the league wanted to push that draft to December was to make sure that we had some time to go see them and uh, and get out in the in whether it's the spring, the summer, the fall, and and be able to do our homework on them. So um, timeline's a little different, but when you're 14, 15 years old, there's no rush. You know, our our goal here is to uh, give everybody the best chance they can to get the absolute most out of their hockey career. And, uh, and, and the 14 and 15 year old seasons are just one part of that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to certainly adjust the development timeline for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think long term here, once we get rolling again, I, I don't think it's going to stall them. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to hurt them long term. I don't think our, our draft isn't going to be us blindly throwing darts at names. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think once we, once we get back on track here with the adjusted timelines, I think, um, frustrating as it might be right now, I think it will, settle back in and, and get and get back on the right path and uh and the development will resume and the draft will be um you know uh, conducted with uh you know we, we hope a, a significant number of viewings through the summer and the fall mm-hmm. and uh and we'll be ready to go and i know those players will be excited for that so a december draft would you prefer more time to evaluate these players or is that still <laughs> enough time uh yeah, I, I wish I had a crystal ball for you. Like, yeah. like I, again, the, I guess the the first answer to that is whatever they do it, they could do it tomorrow. Um, we we're in the same position as every other team, yeah. so yeah. you know it's important to note that everybody's going to be on the same playing field whenever they do it. I, my my actual answer to that is I. I it's tough without knowing how much we actually get in the spring and summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there are, there are quite a number of things that are on the calendar tentatively, say starting in May, uh, for different showcases and different events that have been organized by, uh, you know, by the different branches and by the different associations and, and by sort of the, we'll say the the community leaders in, in those different areas. Uh, if those things are able to go ahead and are able to be scouted and players are able to participate in them and we can get some viewings in non-traditional times like say May and June as an example and then get our traditional viewings in September, October, November, uh, things like that. I, I think it's, um, you know, again, it, it's not ideal, but in, in the midst of a pandemic, there's very little that's ideal right now. I, I think that's manageable. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I think it's manageable. And what I will say is I, I think if it becomes unmanageable for whatever reason, I, I think the league will be, will be flexible. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess, I, I, I guess the, the short answer to the question is I, I'm very confident that as a league, uh, in conjunction with the provincial branches, when we hold the draft, our teams will be very well prepared to do so. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned too, it's important to note that every WHL team is on the same playing field. There's no one-ups for one specific team over another. No, and, and that's right. And, and you know, for, for right now, I think the one thing that'll be very interesting to see is, um, you know, when these players are not necessarily around their teams, there's still things that they can do to improve themselves, whether that's physical conditioning or individual skills, things like that. It will be interesting when they do get back on the ice. I think at every age group, and I think you'll even see it with, with Western Hockey League age players, to be honest, you'll see the guys, uh, you know, to use that same phrase that I used earlier, you'll see the guys who 
put the time in when nobody was looking. Yeah. Um, and, and there will be some guys who, who just haven't. And that's, I, I guess, the, the one thing that I will say is that, the, you know, if you're, a, if you're an 06 player, um, you know, sitting around waiting to get back on the ice and play games again is, uh, is probably, you know, it's not necessarily the best strategy. I, I think right now, um, you know, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Over the past couple of months, not being able to go to a rink, uh, I, I spent a significant amount of time um, consulting everybody from academics to National Hockey League teams and so on, going over top to bottom all of our scouting processes and how we operate. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that was within my control to try to make myself and our, our staff better. And the same way with a player, there are certain things that you can't control, but there's always stuff that you can. So whatever it is, um, you know, we will see in the next six months the guys who really took that seriously and, and were able to go out and, and control what they could. Because I, I do think when we get back playing at all levels, uh, there will be maybe a little more separation uh, that, than usual between the guys that really did take the pandemic time seriously and maybe some of the guys who, who just, you know, uh, flipped the calendar and wanted to get back to games. Yeah. Dan, I know you're a busy guy right now, so we don't want to take up any more of your time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you come yes. on and looking into what the future of this team will look like. I, uh, I can't wait to watch us play a game. I tell you, I'll be, uh, be very surprised if there's not a tear in my eye watching us play a hockey game <laughs> when we get back, uh, back to our first game there in the, in the bubble or in the hub or the hubble or, or whatever we're calling it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for all of our young guys and so excited for everybody in the league. I, I, you know, and, and that announcement about BC came out this week too, that everybody's gone. I, I just think for everybody involved in the league, whatever your position is, and I, I certainly don't take it for granted in my position, uh, the, the support of the league and the support of all of the ownership groups in the league to make to make this happen across the board um, is is just tremendous, and mm-hmm. and I can't uh, just can't wait to uh, to watch us play a game again. Amen. Well, we're with you there. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Dan Tenser, Director of Scouting for the Saskatoon Blades, like we had mentioned right at the top of the conversation with him, he has been a huge part in piecing together this Blades roster right from the moment that these kids are 13, 14, 12 years old. Piecing together this roster Mm -hmm. takes so much time and commitment out of not just Dan, but he also spoke highly of his eight other regional scouts. Now to see... The hard work that they've put in over the years to where they are now, I mean, even though they're in a bubble, it's got to be fairly gratifying. Oh, absolutely. As I said to him, it's, it's got to be like a proud papa yeah. seeing the offspring come along and, <laughs> uh, and and take their first steps into the league. And kids like Tanner Molendyke, you see a Brandon Lazowski, a Hayden Smith, those yeah. types. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, 2000 four born players that are going to get an opportunity to see a Western Hockey League and participate in a Western Hockey League game for the first time during this 24-game season. Everybody knows what Waters and Daly and Robbins and Krinkovic uh, and Delagrajandier and yeah. McLeod, what all these guys can do. They're, they're veterans. It's yeah. the new guys to see how they come in and what kind of impact they are able to put into this uh, that's really going to put smiles on the faces of Dan Tenser and his staff. Yeah, well, that with them being in the bubble too, they're guaranteed to play to a certain extent. Yeah, right. And now's the time to shine. Like Dan had mentioned, it's it'll be evident on who put in the work and who didn't put in the work. Absolutely.
Absolutely. Another thing for us to keep a lookout for. Right. Another thing in this podcast episode is, as always, the trivia question. Yes. Okay. Ooh. So we're going to go back to Caden Daly. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised it took us 31 episodes to finally get him on. But, you know, like every WHL player, you never forget your first WHL goal. Right. Okay. So name the date and location in which Caden Daly scored his first WHL goal, and you could Boy. be the winner of a $20 gift card to the Frozen Pond. It's going to take some work to get this one. You're going to have to look back to some old Brandon Weeking summaries in order to find it, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, a hint, it was the only goal in which the Brandon Weekings scored that night. Ooh. That's all I'm going to say. Interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Interesting. But the first of many for Caden Daly. Name the date and the location in which that was scored and could be, like I mentioned, the owner of a $20 gift card to the Frozen Pond. We're just about done with episode 31 <laughs> of the Blades Uncut podcast, a presentation of Great Western Brewing Company. And again, subsidiary sponsors that are a big part of this. Save on foods. Let's save on foods. Do the shopping for you. Shop online today. At saveonfoods.com. You know, Mitch, I'm probably going to have to find a Save On Foods in Regina because when yeah. I go there next week and I'm not going to be in the hub, people want I keep keep asking. I've, I've run into a couple of fans and they've asked, you know, so why aren't you down in Regina already? Or are you right. going down and you're going to be with the team? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be in a different tier, if you will. Different tier, yeah. And as a result, I can stay in a hotel and what's happening, the company, Saskatoon Media Group, is putting me up in a, uh, like a suite type of hotel, which will have a kitchenette and I'll be able to buy my own groceries rather than being going to restaurants yeah. for three meals a day. So this is going to be That's good nice. for me. So Save yeah. On Foods is going to see me in Regina buy, oh, some bagels and some, yeah. you know, sandwich meats and things like that so that uh, I can look what, after uh, at least a couple of those Fresh meats? Meals. The bakery there, unbelievable. Yeah. They'll put together things for you and the best part, you're saving on food. That's right. It's right in the name there. Right so in the name. You'll be exactly. saving money too. So I'm looking so forward to that. Big thanks to Save on Foods for coming on board and as always, of course, a big thank you to Great Western Brewing Company for being our title sponsor for Blades Uncut. This is 31 episodes in. Yeah. Okay. 30, I, I mean... Yeah, time flies. Think, All of a sudden, we're at 31 episodes. I think Scott Henbury is actually going to provide me with a little bit of product as well. Is he now? I should talk to Scott. Well, the thing is, though, is that on our broadcast, Great Western will be a part of that as well. So mm-hmm. there will be a beverage being consumed during the post-game show of every Blades game. Oh. Just a toast, whether it's a win or a loss. Just to loosen up less Lazaric. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Not that much. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, um... I mean, I'm speaking for a lot of listeners right now when I say, okay, well, a little bit jealous here, but Scott, <laughs> you know, your friends at the Saskatoon Blades could also He'll look after you. Don't you <laughs> worry about that. He'll look after you. <laughs> All right. Um, last week, obviously, uh, we spoke a little bit about Tiger Woods and the aftermath of a very su- serious car accident. Mm-hmm. He had a compound fracture, multiple breaks in his right leg, a shattered ankle, uh, you mentioned that I'll probably find a way to loop in Tiger Woods into this episode. Well, this is me doing exactly that. Yes. It was nice to see on Sunday a lot of tour professionals wearing the patented, you can call it patented, it's Tiger Woods' look, red shirt, black pants, 
Black Hat, even Phil Mickelson playing in the Champions mm-hmm. Tour event, also wearing a red shirt, a heated rival. Even Annika Sorenstam, who was making her first appearance in several years on the LPGA yeah. Tour, wore black shirt, black slacks, black hat. Sure did. Did you watch any of the golf this last week? A little bit. A little bit, bit. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to see. Just a great showing of support. And Colin Morikawa obviously winning the WGC uh the tournament that all of the top tour pros were competing at had some very, very kind words to say following his championship round. Still no word on a cause of what happened. Tiger and his representatives are not really talking yeah. about it. However, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department has executed a search warrant on the so-called black box from the SUV of Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. which will be able to tell them what exactly the activity was. Was there braking involved? What was the steering involved? Mm-hmm. How fast was he going? All those sorts of things can be gleaned from this so-called SUV black box or computer. Yeah. That they find out a lot of information. That's right. It, right so down to the millisecond. We should know in the next few days, once they've had a chance to go over this information as to what exactly happened to mm-hmm. lead to this type of an accident, this type of an incident. And hopefully... I'm sincerely hopeful that this is not something that was untoward, that was something bad. He did something that he shouldn't have been doing. We're we're told toxicology reports have said that he was not involved in any kind of alcohol drug situation that led to this. So that's Mm -hmm. good news. That is. Now the next thing is, is, you know, is it something that was innocent as an accident or was it something that, Maybe he should have known better and did something that led to this happening and naughty, naughty tighter, but, you know, <laughs> you ho- know, hopefully it's not that. From what I understand, I was reading up a report, and I wish I could quote it right now, but um, local law enforcement, from what I understand, was looking at uh, the entire collision just from a, from a viewing perspective, mm-hmm. and it had many traits that said Tiger just simply fell asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. And that could very well be it. Could be. You know, um, just the angle in which uh, the vehicle escaped the road and how fast he was going. And uh, they went right into detail with dissecting his broken leg in, in multiple areas was caused because he was pressing on the brake at the time that they broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's a, a report that's been circulating around, yep. you yep. know, um but at the end of the day, you just wish nothing but the best for right. Tiger Woods. He also Absolutely. Uh, he acknowledged a lot of the support that was shown last mm-hmm. Sunday in, in a social media post, um, which goes to show the, the kind of uh, character that the Tiger has is, is tried to embrace over the years, mm-hmm. too, just becoming a more personable uh, professional golfer. Yep. He's had such an impact on the game. Absolutely. You know, not just uh, from a, a tour perspective, but from everyone, yep. right? The game is what it is today because of what Tiger Woods – has done, and that's why we're seeing so much support pour in from tour professionals. Mm-hmm. They're competing for fifteen million dollar paychecks. The FedEx Cup exists because Tiger Woods. Absolutely, exists, exactly. Right. So oh, that's right. Colin Morikawa thanking Tiger Woods for just simply doing what he did. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of golf fans should also thank him too. Mm-hmm. But uh, best wishes on Tiger Woods. His recovery probably won't see him anytime soon. That includes we will certainly not see him at the Masters in just over a month less. Right. Unbelievable to think that Augusta National is going to be hosting the world's best. The green jacket up for grabs. Dustin Johnson is he going to repeat? Well, it's the second time this tournament's going to be played in six months. Remember, it was held last fall 
in lieu of having been canceled the previous April, in April yeah. of 2020, it was still held in uh, October, late October, early November. I can't remember the exact dates, but Justin Johnson won. So it was a different type of a situation with the Masters yeah. because of the lateness of the year, uh, uh, different course conditions, different grass conditions, conditions yeah. uh, different tree conditions, everything. Everything was different about that. Now it's going to be back to the normal. The azaleas will be blooming. It's going to be beautiful yeah. out and all the rest of that. Lots of sunlight for the players to play and get their rounds in with. Um, Dustin not... Johnson, mm-hmm. maybe. How about Colin Morikawa? Hard to ignore him. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about, uh, you know, Mr. Thomas? I think he's a capable person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a name out at you. How about Louis Wustazen, who played pretty well? You know, recently. Louis Wustazen has always an plays track well of, at the Masters. He does. And it's time for him to break through. Yeah, he's the only. Uh, pl- not the only player. What am I saying here? But he is arguably the best golfer who has never won a sanctioned PGA Tour event. Right. Believe it or not. Yep. He's a European Tour guy, yep. but an unbelievably talented golfer. Oh, yeah. And like you say, he always shows up when Augusta comes on the schedule. Well, those sorts of guys, uh, you know, John Rahm. How do you mm-hmm. ignore John Rahm yeah. as being a possibility? Uh, is it Rory McIlroy's year? Rory McIlroy, possibly. Lee Westwood continues to look for that elusive first major championship. Yeah. Might he break through at the Masters yeah, finally? So. It'd be nice if he did. There's a lot of those types yeah. of guys that, that could very well be in the mix come well, come the Masters just because you don't yeah. know a lot about it. You don't see them all the time on the PGA Tour, but they're pretty darn good players overseas too. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and coming back into North America, Jordan Speed has been doing some very yeah. impressive things over the last few weeks. He had a chance to win a couple of tournaments heading into Sunday in contention, mm-hmm. if not leading a tournament on a Sunday at, at some stage. The so, other Irishman, Lowry. Yeah, Shane Lowry. There's a guy. Yeah, he's a, just a great guy. He is. <laughs> There's a lot of quality golfers from yep. Ireland and all parts of Europe. Uh, and, you know, the the one thing that we will miss, and we missed it last November as well, were, were the Augusta Roars. Obviously, no yep. fans will be in attendance. Um and the, the atmosphere around Augusta will be different, but like you say, the course conditions are going to be there. And if there's one tournament that all tour pros will agree they get up for, mm-hmm. this is the one. Oh, sure. And you can go right back to Tiger Woods, and this is the mother of all majors for so many tour yep. professionals. So it'll be a lot of fun. High time in the world of golf right now, even if Tiger Woods is in a hospital bed. Right. <laughs> all right. So that's it for episode 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week... We'll be back, and next week we'll be that much closer. It'll be mere days. You can almost start yeah. counting down the hours That's right. to the start of the East hours. Division right. double yeah. in Regina and the Blades. First game in just over a year. Yeah, and when you think about it, every Thursday, 4 o'clock, these episodes drop. So it'll be exactly 48 hours before puck drop, ending the 368-day mm-hmm. hiatus that the Blades have had. 48 hours away, next Thursday, 4 o'clock, listen to the episode. We'll have new guests coming on. I haven't figured out who those will be quite yet. They'll be great. They will be great. We'll uh, look into getting someone on the podcast who's also directly in the bubble right now. Uh, If you have any suggestions, by all means, fire them our way. Get in touch with us at info at saskatoonblades.com. Head to the Saskatoon Blades website, saskatoonblades.com. Find the interactive tab. Click on Blades Uncut. You can throw your recommendations in there, or we're also on Facebook and Twitter and hopefully soon to be 
Instagram. It would take me forever right now to try to explain to everyone. But the you're making scenario with Instagram. But you're making but progress. Progress with is it. being made. Okay, Hopefully, good. it'll be uh, rectified sometime soon. The light okay. at the end of the tunnel continues to get bigger and brighter. And it's not a train. And it's not a train. No, this is hopefully clear sailing here <laughs> soon on the Instagram front. But thank you for tuning in, Les. Thank you for inviting me yep. to the booth. Pankies, as always, Yep. emceeing this thing. Master of ceremonies, master of controls. Yeah, that's that's the proper MC. Yeah. Master of control. Master of control, Panky. Yep. I still think he's got to be, we could interview Panky. Sure. <laughs> he's got some stories to tell. Hey, oh, he's, he's, he's nodding, nodding this time. Normally, oh. normally the head's going okay. shaking side to side. Now he's going he nodding. He is buzzing. Ah. Things are buzzing in the production studio, ah. folks. There Things you go. are buzzing. And All right. Les, you're going to be buzzing in the, the broadcast booth here in nine days as well. Can't wait until that right. happens. You know it. All right. Episode 32 next week, next Thursday. We'll see you then. Right.